Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Sitting, solids, cooing, crawling. There are so many exciting milestones to look forward to in your baby's first year, but sometimes keeping track of them all can be a little overwhelming. And what if your baby's not rolling by the time your friend's baby did? Or what if she's a late talker or walker? At what point should you actually seek help? If you've experienced anxiety over your baby not meeting certain milestones, you are not alone. I've been there, and so have the moms you're gonna hear from today. This is Newbies. Gorgeous. Um, it's a girl. Surprise! The whole family's here! So when are you having the next one? It's just poop. Ready for another? Wow, you look really tired. Ready to go back to work? Yellow poop? Seriously? Did you sterilize this? Sex? Now? You've got to be joking. You should sleep when the baby sleeps. She doesn't look anything like you. I thought you already had your baby. I did. Babies don't come with instructions, so there's newbies, helping new moms and new babies through the first year. Welcome to Newbies. Newbies is your online, on-the-go support group guiding new mothers through their baby's first year. I'm Natalie Gross, mom to a three-year-old boy and a baby girl. We've got a great show today talking about baby milestones and the anxiety that can often come with them. Now, if you haven't already, be sure to visit our website at newmommymedia.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter, which keeps you updated on all the episodes we release each week. Another great way to stay updated is to hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. And if you're looking for a way to get even more involved with our show, then check out our membership club called Mighty Moms. That's where we chat more about the topics discussed here on the show. And it's also an easy way to learn about our recording so that maybe you can join us live. I'd like to introduce our panel of mom guests who are with us today. We have Megan Husak and Rachel Brown. We'll also be meeting our expert pediatrician and mom, Dr. Mona Amin, a little later in the show as well. So mamas, thank you so much for being here. And let's kick it off with some introductions. Tell us about you, your family, and where you're located. Megan, do you want to go first? Sure. I'm Megan. I have a 20, almost 21-month-old little boy. Me and my husband's been married for almost five years. and we live in Newport News, Virginia. Great. Well, it's nice to have you on. Rachel, what about you? Hey, everyone. I'm Rachel. My son, Luca, is almost a year. He'll be a year in a couple weeks. Uh, My boyfriend and I live in Springfield, Virginia. Great. Nice to have you as well. So what have been your experiences with your babies meeting or not meeting, you know, these traditional milestones that we talk about? Well, um, my son didn't even meet the milestone of fully gestated. (laughs) So my anxiety started five weeks before that was supposed to happen. And it's just feeling like a race ever since. You know, I'm part of some due date groups on Facebook, one for March when he was due and one for February when he was born. And his milestones are meeting with his gestational age. But then I see all these February babies doing stuff. I'm like, wait, my son hasn't done that. Is he supposed to do that? Why is that one saying mama? My mind can barely say dada. So it's just been anxiety from the beginning. 
we were also very anxious just with feeding milestones, just getting him to drink one ounce and then two ounces and which formula is right for him because he has acid reflux and then just trying to make sure he doesn't aspirate overnight. You know, it's just these little milestones. I think that a lot of people don't talk about were the most anxiety inducing for me to where when he would reach like a physical milestone, like crawling, I'd be like, okay, great. (laughs) Like, I feel like I had less of a reaction than other people because I had more anxiety for many milestones almost. Mm -hmm. Megan, what about you? Kind of to pay, piggyback on Rachel with, we knew since Ethan was born so early that he was going to be behind on things. So we were already mentally preparing us. Like, you know, he's not going to crawl right away like his normal age would. Um, he's not going to walk and talk. Everything is going to be behind. Um, How early was he born, Megan? He was born 24 weeks. Okay. Adjusted, he should only be like 18 months. So we were kind of, you know, going back and forth, but we knew like, okay, just he'll catch up when he can. But when those milestones came, it was still like disheartening. Um, I remember one of the first, one of his visits to his pediatrician, they had us fill out a form to see like a typical, what you would at a, you know, how's your baby developing? And for his age and he wasn't even on it. Like I was in tears crying. Cause I'm like, this is just another reminder that my baby is behind and quote unquote, not normal. Um, so it was really disheartening. I mean, he crawled, he just started like fully walking consistently within the last two months. Um, but prior to that, like we were still crawling, you know, other kids his age, um, even his age, like adjusted, were way ahead of him. And it was very disheartening. And we were constantly like, okay, what's the next thing that we have to do? What's the next thing? And didn't really get to enjoy those moments of, oh, you said your first word or, oh, you took your first steps. It was, you know, we have to catch up. We have to catch up. Um, And it really was like, I felt like another thing that was taken away from us since he was born so early of enjoying these milestones and when they hit it and then feeling like your kid is different because he's not like little Johnny, you know, next to him who is doing all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. So did either of you seek help or support for your baby, like whether that's physical therapy or, you know, food therapy, things like this, or did you seek help for yourself to try to you know, get that anxiety under control? For us, our pediatrician, she was a preemie herself and she really liked working with preemie babies. So um, she always gave us all of the information, but she was always like, it's not time to get help yet. Give him a couple more weeks. And if he didn't meet it by his gestational age, his adjusted, his gestational age, then she would have given us a referral, but he did ultimately smile when he was supposed to smile, which actually that was like the first major anxiety inducing big milestone for me because he was a potato for so long. And I mean, he was like almost 10, 12 weeks the first time he smiled and it wasn't even at me. It was at some random lady he'd never seen before. (laughs) Even though we were open to seeking help from outside of just our pediatrician, we never actually needed to go there. 
And we've been really lucky with feeding. Um, once he started tasting solids, um, he's like a bottomless pit. So he'll eat anything. That's good. Yeah. We did. We were actually, again, because he was born so early, they had us involved in a um, like early intervention program so that we could kind of catch Ethan up. So we've been in physical therapy since he got home, um, which we went through a couple physical therapists till we found the right one that worked great with Ethan and then saw that he just, you know, thrived. Um, and then we recently started speech therapy to kind of help with his talking and his words, um, which has been really helpful, but we're so thankful we have a pediatrician who kind of realizes my anxiety. <laughs> and so just, you know, to alleviate some of that, she would send referrals in. Um, we saw early on a speech therapist for feeding because Ethan would not want to eat. Um, he still is not an eater. So Rachel, if you're a little one can speak to my little one and let him know eating is fun. Um, <laughs> That, you know, even though he was still young, she's like, well, let's get him to see a, a feeding specialist and just see what their recommendations are. Um, so we're really thankful that our pediatrician kind of lets us dictate like when and who we want to see for catching him up on the milestones. Um, but we also are thankful that Virginia has that program that allows, you know, easier access to services for a premature child. Um, and even services we wouldn't even think of, um, they have available and are always checking in on us to make sure, you know, we don't need anything. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like a good pediatrician can really make all the difference here. So we are actually going to be meeting with our guest pediatrician today, Dr. Mona Amin. So listeners stay tuned. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today on Newbies, we're talking about baby milestones and some of the anxiety that we as moms can get when our baby isn't meeting milestones on time. Dr. Mona Amin is joining me for this conversation. She's a board-certified pediatrician, a mom, and founder of Peds Doc Talk. She recently authored an article for Yahoo's In the Know about millennial parents feeling what we're talking about today, this milestone anxiety. Dr. Mona, in that article I just mentioned, you talk about comparison a lot and how that can really fuel this anxiety. How can that be harmful? Yeah. So, so much of anxiety in parenting is when expectation doesn't meet reality. And a lot of the times with development, we have to respect the fact that children are going to meet milestones on their own trajectory across of a range, right? Uh, we, we understand that in some situations there is concerns. And what I mean by that is that a child may need intervention. But when we start to compare and example being going on a social media page or Facebook or, you know, a mommy group and starting to look at, well, my child is this age and another child is the same age. Why are they doing everything 
better, quote unquote, than my child, you can start to get into a cycle of looking at all the things that your child isn't doing versus the things that your child is doing. And that can lead down a slippery slope of not being in the moment with your child. So I often find that most of this milestone anxiety is created from social media, um, circles of friends, people who just boast about their kids. And I don't blame families and parents wanting to share the things that their children are doing, right? Like the, when the child takes the first step or a child does X, Y, or Z, that's an awesome feeling for any parent. But when you're dealing with your child maybe being on that lower end of the spectrum of not being able to meet that milestone early or on time, or maybe they're a little bit later, it can lead to you feeling, well, why is my child not doing that? Am I not doing enough? What is wrong with us? When in reality, we respect the fact that children are unique, that they may meet milestones a little bit later. And our role as parents is to look at the child in front of us, say, here is what they are or are not doing. Do I give this some time? What are the things I can do to foster this development and help them, guide them to reach these milestones? Or is it something that I need to get external help from, speech therapy, physical therapy, things like that? And so a lot of this anxiety is really recognizing that children are unique. We need to know the concerns that we should have for milestones, of course, but that we also can't control our child's story. You know, hearing the stories of premature delivery, I know no no parent of a premature child expected their child to be born premature. And with that comes a lot of mismatch of expectation and reality. You know, maybe you had an idea that your baby would be term and then now you're dealing with having someone tell you that there may be delays and there may be this. And it's really heavy when you're already grieving the loss of a term delivery or loss of expectation that you had. And so when we can't control our child's story, it may make us feel like a little anxious, right? Well, I want my child to walk early and look at all those kids that are doing that. And that's amazing. Or maybe we're afraid that it, you know, if they don't reach a milestone, that they'll be labeled as behind. And that terminology, you know, advanced behind, it's such a stigmatizing terminology because it's not like that, right? Uh, there's no data to support that an early talker is any smarter than a child who speaks later. You know, every child is on, like I said, their own developmental trajectory. Our job as parents is to say, what am I going to do to give them their full potential on their genetics, their neurological development, and be in that moment with my child? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such good advice. And I'm getting a little bit of perspective on that now with my daughter, mm -hmm. my second child, whereas the first child, the first time mom, I was full of anxiety. My son wasn't sitting by six months when you ask, you know, they ask you in the doctor's office, is he sitting? And no, he decided not to sit until his nine month doctor's appointment. Mm -hmm. um, as the pediatrician is giving me a list of physical therapists to go see. And then now, you know, with my daughter, it's like, okay, I'm much more relaxed about it. <laughs> Um, yeah. because I have sort of this perspective that like all kids are different and my kids are not preemies. So that's a different conversation, of course. But anyway, yes, that comparison can be, can be so harmful. And I know that from personal experience. Do you have any personal experience with this as well? You're a mom. Yeah. So I have one child who's three and I'm actually pregnant with number two at the time we're talking. Um, and my three-year-old actually was born term, but he had a stroke and seizures, um, in the first mm. 24 hours of life. So we had, oh a, we had gosh. a, you know, just a disclaimer, um, trigger warning coming. We had a very traumatic delivery and he had just temporary oxygen loss. So suffered a stroke, ended up having a seizure 24 hours after he was born in the NICU. So we were a term family in the NICU. Funny enough, most of them are, they're used to having preterm babies. So they kept thinking my son 
was like this big baby. I'm like, he's just term and he has um, obviously medical issues. But when your child is born with any sort of neurological diagnoses, which for in this situation was a stroke and seizures, they automatically qualify for early intervention, which um, I believe some of the parents were talking about. This is when you get an evaluation on all domains of development from social and emotional language communication, motor. It is a very thorough assessment done at a office or at your home. And so at one and a half months, at six weeks, we had to do this assessment. Assessment. And as a pediatrician who's very well versed on child development, it's actually my passion. I'm watching them do this assessment on my little six week old that can obviously barely hold his head up, um, you know, and they're doing a very nitty gritty assessment. And that kind of started the anxiety in terms of is he going to be okay, right? With strokes and seizures, you have no idea what the outcome is going to be. It's all hope. It's, hey, we have to see how the body responds. And when you don't have certainty, right? When If you have a diagnosis that can say, here's the data that tells you that the children are going to walk, talk, this and that. I had no idea in those early months whether my child would speak, whether my child would walk. All I could do was focus on those milestones moment to moment and know here is how I'm going to provide my child with the most enriching experience, um, provide him with that support and utilize my resources, like I mentioned, if I need it. We ended up not needing any services like um, speech or physical therapy, but there were many moments of anxiety where I thought he is going to have this life altering diagnoses, right? He's never going to walk. He's going to not be able to do certain things. He's not going to be able to chase after our dog. Like those thoughts went through my head of just the anxiety of a health issue. And then in terms of milestone anxiety in that first year, I've talked about this a lot um, with my platform too. I was so obsessed with him meeting milestones and him reaching that progress that I started to get frustrated during playtime. You know, during playtime, when I should be patient with him and guide him, if he wasn't doing something in my brain, because I was so hyper-focused on him meeting milestones, I was not being patient when I was trying to teach him language. Like for example, with language, ideally you'd want to pause when you say something. I was so fixated on him speaking that I wouldn't even give him time to process, right? And it's because of my own anxiety being like, you need to speak. And oh my gosh, if you don't speak, like I said, you're going to be labeled. And I don't want you to have this label. And I dealt with that, you know, and it wasn't until I really looked at the situation, stepped back and said, I really need to realize that he is going to meet the best outcomes for himself, not compared to other children. If I provide him with what I know to be true, I know exactly how to engage with children to meet the milestones because I talk about it all the time, but I wasn't doing it because of my own fear, my own, well, what if, what if? And when I started to step back a little bit is when I started to see more progress. It's when I started to let go of that control I talk about and say, well, even if I try to do this, I can't force him to do these things if it's not going to happen. I might need help. I might need a speech therapist, physical therapist, and that is okay. You know, it's not something that I have to accomplish or a checkbox that my child needs. I need to help him with this diagnosis, meet the best outcome that he's going to meet. And looking back, he's three. We're so grateful that he's off the seizure meds and, you know, doing great developmentally. But there were many moments in those first 18 months with speech and initially with motor and feeding that we would just tense up and get into those, well, what if, what if scenarios? And it's when we stepped back that we started to feel more joy in parenthood too and say, he's our baby. This is what we're going to do. And we're going to give him the best life possible, whatever happens. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, you know, we're talking about milestones. So let's maybe lay out what the milestones are for babies under one that parents should be aware of. 
So in, I love to do this in a way, if you don't mind, talking about what to look out for if they're not doing something by a certain age. The sure. reason I do this is that because I already mentioned that milestones occur across of a spectrum, right? So I'm going to use a quick example that doesn't have to do, that kind of overlaps in the toddler years. But because we know the normal range of walking can be anywhere from seven months, yes, that sounds really early, to 18 months, rather than saying your baby should walk at 12 months, I'm going to kind of give you, okay, here's what you're going to look out for. If these things are not happening in the first year, it is a conversation with a clinician. I have to be clear here because development is and should be a big picture approach. One of your parents had mentioned about not, um, you know, not sitting or not rolling. Um, and you mentioned as well for your older son, these kind of things are in a spectrum. Like for example, if a child's not sitting, but they're rolling, they're reaching for objects, this could be something reassuring, right? So when I say these things, I want you to kind of remember in the back of your head for all of you listening, that this is meant to be okay, if my kid's not doing this, I need to talk to my clinician. It doesn't mean that something necessarily needs intervention, but the doctor or whoever's evaluating your child will want to look at all domains of development, social, cognitive, language, and motor to see if this is something that needs further evaluation. So we'll take, let's go through that first year. Okay. Um, and it's going to be kind of a rattling off of things just because there is a lot, but, um, in the first two months, this is basically, there's not many major milestones, but if your child is having any, if you're having any concerns with feeding or sucking, your child just won't feed in those first two months. Definitely something we want to know about because that's their job in the first two months is to eat, pee, sleep. So if they're having a very light suck, if you feel like they're just not gaining weight, we want to know. If you have any concerns about their tone in the first two months, this means that they seem very, very floppy to you. They don't have any tone to their body or they're maybe very rigid, like too tense. Like you can't even get their outfit on. You can't even get them relaxed to feed at the breast or feed at a bottle. We want to know. By three months, they don't smile at you. Um, and you know, they'll kind of look in your face and smile. They don't respond to any sounds. What I mean by that is if something like, um, a door slams, they won't even have any startle reflex at all by three months. Um, they're not bringing a hand to their mouth. They feel floppy or stiff. Like I mentioned, their eyes just seem crossed and they don't follow things with their eyes. Like for example, if you take a rattle and move it across their visual field, they don't at all care about it. They don't look for it. Um, that's something we'd want to know as well or that there's an inability to lift up their head in tummy time at all, meaning you put them on their belly and they're just laying there. There's no desire to lift that head up even ever so slightly by three months, we'd want to know. By four months, um, it continues on from what I said. They're not watching things as they move, bringing objects to their mouth. They're not cooing or making any sounds. They can't hold their head steady while sitting. So in a seated position, they just are continuously like a, a bobblehead doll. Like you can't get any sort of head control at all. We'd also want to know and including in tummy time. And then at six months, um, there is no desire for affection. They don't, they don't console at all. Like if they're upset, you can't ever get them in that first six months to, to calm down with you carrying them in a carrier, rocking them. There's just an inability to console your child by six months. We'd want to know, um, their eyes are still crossed. They're not reaching for any objects. They're not laughing or squealing by six months. Um, they're not sitting with assistance. Remember, sitting independently can happen as late as nine months, like you were saying with your um, your son, but they should be able to sit with some assistance by six months, meaning holding their back um, for support. And they also may not, um, if by six months they're not rolling over 
at all or showing any sign, we'd want to know. And this, again, is not a huge red flag like, oh, my gosh, you need to see someone. But it's a big picture, right? If they're not rolling, if there is no neck support, if there's no head control at all, then we'd want to evaluate that, too. But again, conversations. And then we're getting close to the end here in that first year. By nine months, they don't recognize familiar people like you or if you have a partner or a nanny or a grandparent. They just don't recognize you. They don't light up at all. There's no there's no reaction to familiar people. Um, they don't share enjoyment with others using eye contact or facial expressions. So if you make a face and they just kind of bl- stare blankly at you and there's just no interaction or no attempt to kind of move their face a little bit to mimic you, we'd want to know. Um, there is zero babbling. So the only thing that they're doing is squealing. There's no ba, 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 ma, ma, ma happening by nine months. Again, a conversation to just discuss what's going on. And then I already mentioned this briefly already. If by nine months, they're not sitting on their own, you're still having to support them. They're flopping over in a seated position. We'd also want to know this. And then going on into motor as well, not using only using one hand. So really just isolating on one side of their extremity, only using the left versus the right. We'd want to know this as well. And then one year, you know, there's a lot of development that happens between nine months and 18 months, but one year they don't play any back and forth games like no peekaboo. They don't, um, they're not going to search for things. If you hide it, um, this is something called object permanence. If you hide a ball behind your back, at one year, a child should be like, wait, where did mommy put that ball? And so they would want to go look for it. So they're going to search for hidden objects because by nine months, their cognitive development is understanding that, oh, things exist when they're out of my visual field. Also, why children develop separation anxiety around this age is that they realize that when you go, you're not gone forever. You, you left and they miss you. By one year, we would like to see that they're looking where you point. If they're not responding to their name, um, at one year, we'd also want to know again as a big picture, is there any concern here? Um, there's zero gestures, like no waving, no head shaking, no pointing, literally nothing, no indication of pre-verbal communication, which is gestures. We'd like to know that as well. Um, if they're not saying a single word by 12 months, not an automatic red flag, but something that again, we would want to just know, okay, well, what are they doing? Are they pointing? Are they babbling? Things like that. Um, And by one for feeding aspect, not eating anything besides purees, we'd obviously by one love a child eating more textured foods. Another thing would be at one, we'd expect them to start to stand with support, like at least cruising. They may not be walking by one year. Like I mentioned, walking can happen as late as 18 months, but they should be able to stand against like a couch and maybe take some steps against it, but they should be able to support their body weight on their legs by one year and maybe start to show signs of of a step or wanting to cruise against an object. And finally, and again, these are in no particular order, they should be using a pincer grasp, which of course your listeners can't see me do this, but it's when you use your thumb and forefinger and you, for example, you're picking up like a Cheerio or a little pea or something like that. It's a pincer grasp versus a palmer, which is you're using your whole fist. Um, they should have that by, by latest one year of age. So as you can see, I go through it this way because I feel There are so many milestones that do occur, like obviously sitting, all of that. But because it's a range, I also want to say, okay, here's the latest your child should be doing these things. And if it's a concern that way, uh, then we should obviously um, discuss and evaluate. Um, But this provides a little frame of reference so that, you know, okay, this is the the latest my child should do this. And if they're not, I'm going to talk to my clinician and they are going to determine with me if further assessments necessary. Again, all for the best interest of the family and the child. Thank you so much for sharing this important information, Dr. Mona. We are going to take another quick break and then bring our moms, Megan and Rachel, back into the conversation. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com That's ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Mona, before we kind of get into the larger conversation, I want to know these milestones that you just discussed. We have some preemie moms on the call. Um, how does this apply to preemie? Should they be using the adjusted age for that? Yes. Yeah, so I love this conversation. I'm happy that we, I'm happy to have two moms who do have premature babies because it is different. So yes, we do adjust for age and we adjust for age up until two years of age. And I, um, two years chronologically, meaning from the time that they're out of the body. Um, so two years. Um, and the reason we do this is because we understand that because they were born early and we'll go over how to calculate this because they were born early, we do allow them a little bit of leeway to say, okay, because of their prematurity, it makes sense that they may not be doing a certain milestone at the same age as a child who is term. Okay. So let's do an example. So technically, um, the, the old recommendation was using 40 weeks as the, the, being term. Now they're saying 39, but I, I'm going to keep it as 40. Okay. So knowing that 40 weeks is considered a term baby. So if your baby was born at 32 weeks, so that is premature um, and prematurity is anything before the 37th week. And then of course you have like different rates of um, early versus um, early, early, early preterm versus just late preterm, but 32 weeker um, and 40 weeks knowing that's term. So that's a baby who's eight weeks early. 40 minus 32 is eight weeks early. So what this means is that if at four months old, you know that your baby is four months out of the womb, but they were born at 32 weeks. So your four month old, because they were born eight weeks early, is likely going to be doing milestones that a two month old should do because they were born early. So when we look at the milestones, I'm using this in a, as an example, a four month old should be sitting, like I said, with a little bit of head control um, in tummy, you know, in, in tummy time, um, sitting up, they should be grasping things and putting into the object. But a two month old, would not be doing those things, right? So when we look at the development of a 32-weeker at four months of age, I would expect him or her at the minimum to be doing what a two-month-old would do, right? So at, at that age, I would expect that that four-month-old, born premature, should be putting their head up a little bit in tummy time. They should be starting to smile. They should be starting to maybe track some objects. Um, obviously, they should maybe start to make some cooing sounds. Um, so that's kind of how we look at that. And we, we do see a lot of great development in children and including premature babies that by two years of age, we start to see this correct itself. Of course, there is some reality that there is going to be some um, interventions that are needed, maybe some speech or physical therapy. But many, many premature babies don't need the correction. 
for a while. So for example, if I'm evaluating a baby who's born at 32 weeks and the baby's six months and meeting all the milestones that another six month old would meet, I don't necessarily need to keep correcting that baby because they're meeting the milestones. Um, The child's brain, and I can tell you from personal experience, having a kid with a stroke is very plastic, which means there is a lot of development and neurons that are formed from just the experience and environment that they're in. This is why we're so big on early intervention and services if a child needs it, is because we want to provide that child with all the resources to foster their brain development if they're born early, if they have a neurological um, deficit, like my son had the stroke, um, to provide the best outcomes again for that child's trajectory. Great. Megan or Rachel, any you know thoughts on everything we've just learned from Dr. Mona? Um, I really enjoyed listening to Dr. Mona go over the um, milestone ranges. Um, Maybe I missed it, but did you mention crawling? Yes. So crawling, sorry, you're right. Crawling would be um, latest one year, but crawling as its own entity is not a required milestone. Like it's okay if your baby doesn't crawl. That's what I've been hearing lately. Like if they, if they skip to walking, is that what you yes, mean? Yes, they should, they should skip. I mean, you have to write. So if a child is not crawling, this is also a big source of contention, I guess, in the social media space, but crawling is not a red flag on its own. Of course, we'd want to see other motor milestones. So for example, crawling typically should happen. If it does happen, it's going to happen between six months and a year. So if a child's not crawling at one year, definitely, I agree. I apologize for leaving that out. It's a good idea to bring that up to your clinician, but the sole absence of crawling alone is not concerning if the child is meeting other motor milestones at one. For example, that child is sitting on its own. The child is pulling up on a couch or on an object cruising. Those are all great motor milestones. So crawling is not a, oh my gosh, the lack of crawling as an isolated thing is a concern, but it is a big picture situation that yes, if they're not crawling, if they're not, if they're only using one hand, right? Things that I mentioned already, if they're not sitting up and they need support to sit up at nine months. Those are all things that I'm like, well, their core is a concern. They're not using both of their hands. Like those are all things that I'd be wanting to evaluate as well. But some kids do bypass crawling and go straight to walking. And some kids do an army crawl and then go to walking. Um, So that's a reality as well. It is a contentious issue in my mom's group lately where if somebody's child isn't crawling, there's a plethora of moms commenting. It's not technically a milestone anymore. And it's just, um, it's nice to hear, you know, from an expert. I love, I love that you brought it up because even a lot of developmental specialists on social media, you know, like you have to crawl if you crawl, oh my, if you don't crawl, oh my gosh. And I, I love that we discussed that because it is, there is some nuance to it, right? It's not like if it's that plus other things, 100%, but it's not like that alone is like, wow, your child is not going to meet all the milestones that they need to meet. So I love, I love that clarification. I, I do want to also say that um, the social media aspect of being a new mom has definitely been a stressor. And I have to like mute Facebook groups for 30 days sometimes, mm-hmm. or just take a, a breather from Facebook just because other moms anxiety get to me. And then they make me think about things that I had never thought about before. And why am I thinking about these things? I don't think they actually matter. Yeah. So I just, that's such such a great point, not just for being a mom, just I think for life. <laughs> Social media just has too much influence on us. I feel like I feel like I, I used to be on mommy groups before I had my son, meaning when I was pregnant, I was on a physician mommy group. And the amount of anxiety, I agree with you, that that caused me as a pediatrician because there was so much misinformation and so much 
like worry. And there was never, there was little sharing of good things. It was all bad, like things that are not going great. And I'm like, man, I just need some hope in my life. So I muted it. I got off. And then I created my own Facebook group with moms. And my rule is, is that we're not allowed to share certain things. Like you can only ask for advice if you're going through a situation and you need the connection. Like I love Facebook groups for connection. Like if you, if you have a child who's not crawling, I want you to reach out and say, Hey, if you have, if you had this issue, what did you do versus, Hey, I'm just looking like open-ended suggestions, um, diagnoses, because those people don't know your child. Those people don't know what the situation is. They're not asking you all the questions I'm going to ask, which is what else is your child doing? They're going to say, Oh, bad or good. They, you know, there's not a lot of nuance because they're not trained to be clinicians should be trained to be not everybody, but that's our job to say, let's look at the big picture. And most people on social media have tunnel vision. They're not looking at the big picture. They're just looking at their own personal experience. And that is very one-sided, right? So we need that unbiased, nuanced perspective, which, oh, I, I completely agree with you. And that adds, like I said, to that anxiety of what is going on. And you just said it perfectly. Is there something I should be worried about? And I wasn't even thinking about, and oh my, that's not a fun place to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Megan, any thoughts from you? Um, kind of piggyback on the social media. I know when Ethan was in the NICU, um, I kind of joined various like NICU, surviving NICU, NICU moms, stuff like that. Um, and it was a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. Um, even now as people are like, oh, my baby's, you know, two years old, but not doing this. And it, it makes you stop and go, wait is, is Ethan doing that? Like, I, I don't even know. Um, and then seeing the trends on, you know, social media, TikTok, you know, of what you should and should not be doing for your kid where your, you know, child should be. And it is very overwhelming and sometimes, uh, can cause some increased anxiety. But on the other hand, there is some out there that it's like, I didn't even think about that. Like, especially with our issues with feeding. Um, we've gotten a couple tips off of how to convince our little one that, you know, feeding is fun, eating is good, you know, all of that fun stuff. Um, but it definitely can be, especially for a new mom and this being my first as well, overwhelming. Um, and all the advice that is sometimes unsolicited, uh, because people just know versus are you a, are you a medical person? Are you familiar? Are you a clinician that this is what you specialize in? Um, so it can sometimes be very overwhelming. Yeah. Well, Dr. Mona, I'll let you have the last word here. You know, any last thoughts about this topic of milestone anxiety as we wrap up? Yeah, I think this is such a healthy and important conversation. And sometimes even just talking about the realities helps our anxiety, right? When we're like feeling like, am I alone in this? We're not alone. I mean, I wrote that article that you alluded to at the beginning of this conversation because I see it. I see it as a reality. And I'll be frank, I see it more with my platform. You know, I do have a social media presence. And in my day-to-day job, I notice that the families who are not heavily on social media have less anxiety in general, okay? Um, and I, I'm trying to protect families from the anxiety because the anxiety can really, like I said, rob us of our mindful moments with our children, right? When we're so focused on what is going to happen and what I'm not doing, we're not literally looking at that child smiling up at you or staring at you, saying and screaming internally, hey, I'm here, mom. Like, I want to spend time with you and we're going to do this thing together. And we want to have a little bit more grace for ourselves, right? I think we put too much pressure 
on being perfect. And it goes back to comparison and it goes back to, you know, if my child meets these checkboxes, then I am the perfect mom. But there's no such thing as perfection in motherhood because it is an ever evolving role. So we have to remember that we are focusing on the child in front of us. We are focusing on if my child is not meeting the milestone because it is important to recognize that, yes, if they are getting into that later range of not walking by 18 months, it's not panic, red flag, everything's wrong. It's we want to support you. And that may mean, again, physical therapy or an evaluation to provide the resources for you to guide your child, because this is what parenting is all about. We are going to go through so much in our parenting journey, not even just in that first year. I'm talking like teenagehood, all the, all the time they grow, they grow up. And our role is how am I going to be the guide for my child, right? Whether it's dealing with milestone, whether they are struggling with being bullied, whether they're struggling with this. And I want that sort of growth mindset for us so that we can teach our children that we're going to get through this together. And if I can't help you alone, because I don't know how, or maybe I need more information from a specialist. I have the insight and humility to understand that I get that opportunity to have someone else help me help you, whether it is a physical therapist, speech therapist, whether it's a um, therapist, like a psychologist, psychologist later on, right? I want parents to feel supported and not judged and not feel like they're alone in this journey because there is just so much beauty in being a parent. And I believe this having gone through what I've had with my son, I know the anxiety is really real, but I also know that there is those moments when he finally did start to talk because he was a late talker when he finally did walk. And I just cried and I, you know, that, that joy that's felt. And I just want parents to feel more joy and anxiety just takes that away from us. And I hope this conversation helps so many today. Mm hmm. Well, thank you so much to you, Dr. Mona and Megan and Rachel for joining us for this episode today. Listeners, you can find out more about Dr. Mona at pedsdoctalk.com and her social media links will be on our website with the episode. Also check out newmommymedia.com. That's where you can find the episode and all of our other podcast episodes plus videos and more. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Newbies. Don't forget to check out our sister shows, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, Parent Savers for Moms and Dads with Toddlers, The Boob Group for Moms Who Give Breast Milk to Their Babies, and Twin Talks for Parents of Multiples. Thanks for listening to Newbies, your go-to source for new moms and new babies. This has been a New Mommy Media Production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. 
If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.